0: This episode of Little Bit of Life Podcast is brought to you by the Galaxy brand. This is an amazing new company that I have found and have been working very closely with. They create Galaxy-themed perfume and apparel for their audience that is for unisex and for every age. They strive for high-quality designs for their apparel and scents for the perfume. Each perfume and cologne comes with a Galaxy-themed name and scent that goes for all of their apparel as well. Galaxy lovers will have the chance to own Galaxy gear as well as some perfume too. Make sure you order today at the galaxybrand.com and also make sure you stop by their instagram at the underscore galaxy brand they have all new opportunities that you can check out shop whether you have a love for apparel perfumes and much more Welcome to Little Bit of Life Podcast with your host, Tabitha, better known as Little. A lot of you may know her from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. Dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats about what we seem to think, but don't say. Special guests will join in along the way that have impacted her in a profound way. Very little is left off limits. So sit back, enjoy, and here's your host. Hey guys, welcome into another episode, Little Bit of Life podcast with Little. I have the powerhouse of a woman, the badass, the go-to, Miss Keys. We have taken quite a while to get to this point, but it is well worth it. How are you doing today? It's so good to see you with us.
1: I am well. Um, I'm excited to be here. I know we've been so busy, but I'm so ready to have this conversation
0: It is something that I posted about today on Instagram. We have a lot to dive into, but being that now I am in the state of Texas, um, this topic we're talking about really hits home for me. Um, It's something that we're talking about, the fentanyl crisis, something that's happening all over the United States, but there was one that specifically happened here in Carrollton, Texas, that nobody seems to be talking about, and it just seems that they're silencing the families, they're silencing the school district, and it just seems to be swept under the rug. So... Let's get to talking about that one thing that no one seems to want to talk about.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, so, a little bit about the uh, the thing in fentanyl or the whole issue with fentanyl. You know, um, it's really big here in Texas because we're have border states. You know, by definitely by Mexico, and so um, how they were doing in Carrollton. So, I'll just tell you a little backstory. Um, my son was one of the kids who um, had took um, some fentanyl. Not sure if it was in that location, but I know he was living around that location or going in and out of the location. So um, when I saw them, I was like, okay, maybe this is the same people that um, were involved in my son's case uh, of his overdose. So basically what they're doing is these kids and these adults are living by these um, uh, these high schools and these middle schools. And what they do is they give them these like little sweet tart things, like sweet tarts, and they put a little fentanyl on it. Now, all you need is like a little splash, like um, like if you had salt and just put a little dab on it. Because if you put too much on there, it will kill them. So what they do is they give them enough to keep keep them coming back. Um, the pills are usually about $10, um, but it's, like, really cheap to make it. And it's even, you know, 10 times potent or actually 50 times potent than heroin and, you know, morphine. Remember, you know, morphine, we use that so um, mm-hmm. in hospitals. So this has been crazy because they add it to drugs that most kids are using, which are Percocets, um, sometimes Molly's. And they're mixing it all together and they're getting these kids addicted. And so there's videos of a, I think the guy's like 17 or 18. He just, as soon as he takes it, he falls on the ground because it's so high. And so it's so many parents that are talking about what's going on in Texas. And these are one of the people that were, are one of the areas that were really selling it hitting hard in Carrollton.
0: In the CNN, when I looked up the, I mean, it's something that I I saw a little blip on the news. I don't really watch the news too much, but I mean, it's something that they almost just hit, the media hit on it for just a brief second and it just seemed to pass. Mm -hmm. And when you look it up, I mean, it takes some real digging to find the story. And the ages were 13 to 17 years old. That's unbelievable to me Mm -hmm. when, you know, as parents, so many of us talk about, you know, well, it's not my child. And I think it's this mentality of it's not going to affect my family. So until it affects my family. We're just going to turn a blind eye but the fact is like you said these are adults that are going so close to the school and making it accessible and making these kids want to come back these kids are not drug users they're not somebody that are out there you know looking for the next high these are children in our neighborhood that are being lured in by these adults
1: yeah and so the biggest thing i learned because i was trying to figure out I was like how are they getting access to these students so what I've learned was that they get them on Snapchat, they get them on Facebook, they get them on Instagram. And what they do is they follow the schools, they track the students who show like whether they're lonely or they're, you know, going through things, they go after the ones that are struggling with home life. Because, you know, majority of social media, we write down, we put what's going on at home. And so a lot of mm-hmm. these kids like, you know, homeless or my pa- I hate my dad, and they'll go after them and say, hey, you know, how about you try this? It can relieve the stress. So they're hashtagging the schools they're hashtagging like ways to get the kids involved in, you know, getting these drugs when they reach out to them. It's mostly social media. So I was researching and it was like Snapchat had one hundred and forty four thousand. Now, this is twenty twenty one. That one hundred and forty four thousand accounts. This is just Snapchat. So they're reaching out to these kids. You have four million from Facebook and you have one point two million from IG. So every month they're taking down ten thousand plus um, accounts that are affecting these kids. Nobody's doing nothing. Understand four out of 10 of these accounts, um, that sell the fitnaw or four out of 10 people that they sell it to end up dying from this. That is a mm-hmm. large number. So it's like, what mm-hmm. are we doing? We're not talking about it. Like what's next? What can, I don't, I don't understand what's going on here.
0: hmm It's social media that's now invading and it's, It's a topic of conversation, me being a new stepmom. I have a young child in the home and it's now become the norm for children to have social media. So it's also kind of adding that in tune with parents of how much are you actually watching over your child's social media with, you know, our kids having tablets and iPhones. They're getting them at school. They're able to assess something at school and get them from friends. So just because you're cutting it off maybe in your household Mm -hmm. doesn't mean they're not going to school and able to get you know, linked up with other people that have this. So with you being right in the realm of this, for those parents that are listening, what were kind of the signs or symptoms? Like, you know, obviously your son, unfortunately had this experience. So how has that been for you and your family?
1: Wow. It was stressful. It was, um, I've heard about the opioid, you know, but I didn't, even when I was in high school, they were doing it, but it wasn't to this extent. So when I heard about it, I knew that um, it was FDA regulated. So this is another thing FDA regulated. So it was like, okay, this this has to be something that you know the doctor gives them. I didn't know. I was I wouldn't say ignorant, but I was so confused on what was going on. So I started seeing signs of like you know not wanting to go to school, and it started happening more during COVID. You know, the kids don't want to go to school. Um, they're partying a little bit more. They're hanging out with friends they just became kind of like, he was just becoming like lazy, like just didn't want to do anything. So I start seeing a lot of his um, mannerisms, like just had no drive, um, very sluggish. And then there would be times that he was very like antsy and he would jump around and be on the couch and he'll be scratching and doing those things. So I was like, what is going on? So um, after I start seeing those things, I kind of like took it as like, okay, maybe he's not, you know, teen boys. They don't like to bathe, whatever, you know, just, I thought it was something silly. But we started noticing foil around the house, like little things of foil and then cut up um, straws. And so I kind of, I looked and I was like, I know this is heron or, you know, so I was Googling and I couldn't really find anything on it. So I found out later through friends, office Snapchat that he was using and he was taking, um, he had videos in high. So now I start understanding, okay, he's actually crushing the pills together. and He's smoking them. That's what happened with the straw. Mm. Um, so I just started seeing, you know, leaving, not being home, like just gone for days and, you know, his eyes start getting bucked. He's start getting really skinny and I just didn't know. I just start seeing everything, um, from there. So that was the first warning signs. Mm-hmm. Um, later it got worse where, you know, you're stealing, you know, you are wanting to be on the streets, you're fighting, you're doing things to, you know, to make money um, clothes, you're selling your clothes, everything. So when I saw that, I said, this is a big problem. And unfortunately, Texas is not equipped to help, even though they say they are, they're not really equipped to help these kids. So those are some of the warning signs I saw in the beginning.
0: Hmm. Just moving here and seeing a lot of things that happen. I mean, I always tell people when they say, Oh, what do you think of Texas? I'm living in a completely different world. I feel that law enforcement here is so different from where I'm from. And we were in Arizona, we yeah. were on the border, but I think like you said, I, we, Arizona was a little bit more prepared. We had the border patrol. We knew what was coming and going. I feel like Texas is almost, I'm living in Y2K. I mean, they're so mm-hmm. backwards in regards to law enforcement, drug control, gun control. And it almost feels like the, the crime here. maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but this is my feeling. It's almost like everyone is a number. And it's just yeah, once it hits the media, it's it's something that they release, and it's one and done and they're on to the next. But this is an ongoing okay. epidemic now that is taking over kids, which is so disgusting mm-hmm. and disturbing to think about. So your son yeah. r- related to this with snapchat, um mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, as a parent with your background for those that don't know you know your stuff. Like you are, like I said in the beginning, mm-hmm. you're a powerhouse and you are mm-hmm. very much, you know, aware of surroundings. Did you ever think that your son would have this connection with Snapchat of all things?
1: No, I didn't. I honestly was like, okay, maybe a friend. I didn't, I didn't think, you know, cause he's a popular kid. I didn't think it was anything like that. I was very, very shocked when I found out. Um, but it's just, that's how they get to them. They use Snapchat because they, it's hard for them to trace. So I'm looking through his phone workers like, okay, can I find out who he's been contacting? And you go in there and it's all media. So you see that, okay, Snapchat, you go to his phone, you'll see pop-ups from people like, hey, you want to come by, you want to do this? And you know, you see the messages about drugs and you're like, what? So it, it is all over. Like They know how to go after it. And what's so crazy, it's not just people in, like certainly with TikTok, it's people in China that are reaching out saying, hey, you know, I see you going through something. I got I got something to help you relieve the pain. China is like the worst is like the biggest country for fentanyl right now. And people aren't mm-hmm. saying or saying anything about it, but they're tracking mm-hmm. it. They're, they're bringing it to the US. So it's crazy. It's crazy how it all happened.
0: If we have parents that might be listening and now, I mean, I'm hoping if you're listening to this and you are a parent, you're a step-parent, you're a grandparent, if you are someone that has children around you that you are now someone that they look up to in their life, what would you say to parents that may be panicking and saying, okay, maybe I need to kind of oversee my child or grandchild's social media? Because I know with kids, they're not as reluctant now as we used to be of give me your phone. Yeah. Now it's this immediate panic. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about having that conversation and, and diving in to save and help your child?
1: So I would say the biggest thing, certainly when they're underage, is to get the phone tracker. So there's ways you can you know track their phone, track their activities, and kind of see who they're talking to. Um, and it's really, really important to have those conversations. So prevention is all about, hey... This is what's going on. This could kill you, possibly kill you. Because I think they said, like, they did a study was like, 30-something percent of kids didn't even know what it was, what the drugs were. They were just like, oh, it's cool. Mm-hmm. So the conversation has to be had, like, hey, this is what's going on. You can't even smoke legal – I mean, you can't even smoke weed or anything because they're lacing everything with fentanyl. So you have to have those tough conversations, like, hey, this could happen. This could kill you. And if you feel like you're at a point where – you're using this or you're, you know, got a hold and you're addicted to it. Like, let's get you help ASAP. That's the biggest thing. So, and I tell parents, you know, even with my son, it was hard to um, have to be so transparent. It was hard to love him because I'm like, why wake up, shake, like want to shake him. But as parents, you mm-hmm. have to treat him with love and you have to cut those ties. And sometimes it's, hey, I can't give you money or, hey, you can't come back home until you go to rehab. You got you know, you have to show them tough love. So definitely talk to them and then show them the tough love. That's more important.
0: Living in Texas, I mean, like I said, I'm learning all kinds of things. Uh, it, it's crazy to me that there's such a drug problem that is is statewide here. Uh, I was amazed when my partner yeah. told me, oh, I had surgery on my hand and all you get is Tylenol. I had a friend of mine that moved here from Arizona, had to get back surgery. She's like, I couldn't even get any pain medication here. They, get, they give Tylenol. So it's scary that these children are able to get something such as fentanyl on the streets in a large quantity immediately like that. But yet it was made for hospitals. It was made for an area that is confined. So when you think about that, that if you mm-hmm. go and get a surgery here, you get a Tylenol, but our kids can go on an app at school and get a drug, like you said, that is lethal to them. I mean, that's mind boggling to me. Talking about yeah. the rehab and talking about getting help What does that look like for a parent? Where do you go? I mean, are there different avenues with the state that help you do that since they're not really paying
1: attention to the topic? So what's so crazy, we tried different things. When my son overdosed, we went to um, a Presbyterian hospital and they told us after, you know, hey, we're going to connect with you. We're going to get you in rehab. We're going to get him aftercare. Silence. I called his caseworker. Nobody answered the phone. I called so many people because during that time after his overdose, he wanted to stay clean, but nobody reached out. So it was just, like, continuous calling so many people. They don't take certain insurance. And a lot of places were asking for, like, $1,000 a day just to get him seen. And you had to be there at least seven days. So I'm like, I cannot pay 7000 So it was really hard to get him help. Um, so, unfortunately, we had to go to um, a website. I think uh, it's, like, SAMHSA. It's, like, Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration. So we went through them. And I found somebody in Florida because Texas, it was horrible. So we actually had to fly him to Florida to get him the help. So it, it's all these nonprofits are saying they're going to help, but nobody does. And if you don't have the money, your son, is gonna, your son or daughter is going to end up on the streets trying to figure it out. So it's, it's, it was rough.
0: And I know, especially with going to rehab, that's not where it stops because the problem Mm -hmm. is still here at home. So what are your plans as a parent moving forward when your son comes home after rehab and they have a different mindset and they're go-getter and they're ready for change? I mean, do you change the friend group? Are you going to remove social media? Like, what does the future look like? Because the problem is still here at home.
1: Yeah. So it's hard to remove social media because, you know, he's an adult or even as a kid, it's hard to because they always find a way to do it. Um, if he wasn't with me, when he goes off to school, he was, he was contacting somebody. So the whole thing is you have to set those boundaries when they come home, you have to go and not just seek help for him, but had to seek help for myself and just say, okay, let's go to a AA meeting or a drug rehab meeting or whatever. Um, let's do outpatient. Like you have to have an actual schedule. So it's, it's like having a full-time job just to make sure they're sober. But if they're willing to do it and they're willing to put in the fight, you just have to step with them, be with them every step of the way.
0: With your background, with your history and being a parent, because there may be parents that are listening to this. Did you almost feel guilty? Like, why did I not catch this sooner?
1: Oh my God. That's the biggest thing. I felt guilt and shame because I was in the military for 20 years and I was like, I was away from my son. I couldn't see him. Is this, am I the reason why is, was he crying out for help? But I had to, I actually had to put myself in a institute for six days Because I mentally lost it. And my last suicide tip was November 2022 when he almost died. So I was like, I just, I gave up. But I had to sit back and say, it's not my fault. Life is going to happen. Sometimes life life happens not just to us, but it happens for us. So it's, it's there to help me and help other parents out there. It sucks that it had to happen to me. But the biggest thing is it's all about making sure I'm supportive for him and understand it's not my fault. You know, it's not my fault he did it and try to get him to help as much as possible.
0: So with all of your connections in the community, because obviously Texas, you're doing a poor job and I know we're going to have this shared out and hopefully shared to somebody that's actually going to make a difference. Texas needs to do better. States need to do better, especially surrounding states of Texas. So with your platform and mm-hmm. this happening straight at home for you, what are you hoping to see for change? What do you feel needs to be changed?
1: I really think that, They need to take this serious. So we need like those task force that are going to these going to these homes and figuring out if they're getting, you know, where they're getting drugs. We need somebody. uh, I feel like we should have like some kind of undercover security team or something like that, because it's just like it's you have to also understand, like with Texas, they're also the cops are sometimes involved in these things. They get paid. They get money for this. This is not just, oh, just us you know, civilians doing it. It's other people who have high authorities that are getting money off of this as well. So I think Texas has to come in and say, look, we need to stop. Too many people are dying. Let's, let's, let's figure it out. If you see your kids doing it, ask, kind of just like figure out what's going on, figure out how they're getting it, all the drugs or whatever. I mean, the youngest person I found out that died was 12 and it wasn't even involved in this last one, but a 12 year old, because somebody thought it was funny to give her candy. They were doing this stuff on Halloween. Like this is crazy, and parents are not saying enough. They're not sticking. They're not. If they see their children doing it, they're not saying anything. Like some parents are actually okay with their kids doing it, and staying in the house and selling it. Like they're allowing that as long as their kid gives them some type of money, they are allowing them to sell it out of their house. So if you see your child, your son or daughter doing it, stop them. And actually, you gotta you need to call the police if possible. And you know, do something about it. But we have to figure out a better way and close those borders down Mm -hmm. where they're sneaking in. You know, that's another thing. Have more safety. If you know our border patrol is failing us, get a new team out there. Like, we have to do something.
0: Parents, I see a lot of times they're trying to just, you're trying to be friends. You're trying to be friends with your kids and that's great. But there comes a time where you have to step in and you have to be a parent. Like she said, ask those questions. Mm -hmm. You cannot just continue to be uncomfortable with what's going on in your household. You run your household, no matter what's happened in your history, your past, anything like that, you need to be a parent first and then be a friend and be a a partner alongside them in that form of the rehab and learning how to live life again. Because this is very traumatic, especially at a young age. So speaking of when you said if, you know, the kids are selling, call the police. So do you think the police here in Texas, being that you're from here as well, if we call the police, do you think it's going to actually get their attention? I mean, I've called the police here for child custody, and it just seems like make a report, have a nice day. There's just no sense of urgency, no sense of care here.
1: Yeah. I mean... I would say, try and track it. So my whole thing is when I make police reports, I write down, okay, this day, this day, I call the police and nobody came. This day, this day, so I have to keep everything. So when I do talk to whether I send a report to the FBI or whether I send a report to Congress, I'm telling them like, or our city councils, I'm telling them like, hey, this is an issue. This is what I've done and y'all fail me each time. So this is where I go on my platform. I tell others, hey, go on your platform and speak up about it. Like go somewhere, social media is very impactful. Speak up about it. Whatever you do, just do it. Just speak up against it.
0: Have you linked up, have you linked up with other families, other mothers of, of children that have been victims? Or do you feel like they're kind of ashamed
1: or embarrassed and staying silent about it? So I have um, reached out to a uh, family that had, um, I can't think of their name, but they had their, they start making like, I think it's Mothers Against Drugs. Um, that's the name of the group. But I've reached out to them and they're like, hey, you know, here's some resources. So they actually helped me but I think everybody's so quiet about it and just like it's it's hard. It's like you're mourning, you know, your child and then you're still with that guilt that we talked about, you know, you're have that shame. So a lot of mothers are kind of or family members are kind of hiding it and don't really want to discuss it. But I think we have to come together. Like I shouldn't be over here struggling by myself. We have family support groups, you know, with the rehab center he was with previously. But it's like after that, when everybody gets off the phone, like who do you have to call to vent or cry about it? Nobody. So it's like you have Mm -hmm. to figure it out yourself. This is where self-help and self-care comes in play. Like every day I wake up and I send an email saying, hey, you know, do you have any information? How can you help me to make sure my son and other kids do not go through this again? It it falls on deaf ears. But just continue just trying to fight and connect with other women um, and men who are going through this.
0: You're the advocate for your child. But, I mean, I'm so honored to have you on to... To watch your journey, I mean, it's been amazing. Even over the past year, I mean, we've only communicated through Instagram and and that social media platform, but it's something where Mm – it's okay to feel that you have failed at something, but you cannot stay there. And that's the reason why she's on today to talk to parents. It's okay to fail. Being a parent does not come with a rule book. It does not come with directions. So when you fail, it's picking yourself back up again and not staying there and allowing yourself to stay there because it's not going to help your child recover. But it's, it's also like you said, it's a recovery process for you as well. You've been affected.
1: Yeah. And the the biggest thing, you know, you have to understand your child is going to, you can lead your child. You can do whatever you can for your child. Um, But they're going to make their own decision. So parent as as best as possible. Teach them the right way. Try to keep, I always say, stay engaged with your children. Even though my son, you know, when he got older, he started doing his thing. But I wish that we stayed more engaged with him just to make sure, hey, if he felt any kind of way, if he was going through something, he could come talk to us. Because in our home, we didn't really discuss mental health. Like. You know, I was off in the military. I understood it. But the people that he stayed with, our family members, they didn't discuss mental health with him. He didn't He didn't understand. He thought his reason for using was like, Mom, I'm tired of feeling. I'm tired of the emotions. I'm tired of I put everybody's burdens on me. You know, he, does, he doesn't understand. So take that time. Get your kids away from the TV, the games, and actually have conversations and relationships with their children. And this is where we're failing. We're letting so- social media raise our children, and we're not helping them mm-hmm. at all. So you have to be involved in your kid's life. Mm
0: -hmm. It starts at a very young age. I mean, I'm the stepmother to a five-year-old and it's starting with her from the time she wakes up. I want my iPad. I mean, hearing this story and seeing Snapchat, she's five. Is she, she's in kindergarten. Is she commuting? Like, is she communicating with kids on Snapchat? No, but she's using it for the filters. The app is still there. There's different Mm -hmm. things, especially they're doing this now in Roblox. She plays it. And it's something where, yeah. you know, I had a conversation, it was uncomfortable for me. I had to talk to my partner and state, you know, we're not married. You can choose to parent in the way that you choose, but this is my opinion. And I think the more we mm-hmm. communicate and get out of that mm-hmm. comfort zone, um, it was something where he's like, I didn't know this was happening. Well, she has older mm-hmm. sisters, so they share a room. So it's something I said, if her mm-hmm. sisters are 10 and 12, you don't know what she's seeing. You don't know what she's reacting to. And it's something where now we're controlling her social media in our household. And it's something that, like
1: I said, and she said, talk to your children. It's important. Yeah, it it is very important. And having that, you know, even that social media at a young age is so sad that, but that's what kids want. They want to be accepted. They want to be loved. So take that time. Hey, I know you want the iPad, but let's go ahead and do this. Or let's have, you know, time to go eat or let's go shopping, go get our nails on. Let's go to the park, you know, get them out of that ipad and all the social media because that's what they attract and sometimes people are seeking them because when they're addicted to drugs guess what they do there you go child trafficking you have organ trafficking all that ties together i mean they were my son had a actual guy who tried to sexually assault him you know what i mean because of he was so high so just think about it what these people do out there they take these kids when they see them young they feed them drugs and they traffic them So this is a whole bunch of things that ties in this And Texas is really bad for human trafficking. So this all is entailed. This all ties up. So are these
0: topics that you talked about with your child and his upbringing, or was it something that now that it's kind of happening? I mean, you talked about mental health and sex trafficking and now drugs. Is it something that kind of allows it to open up as more of a bigger conversation? Is it something
1: you're comfortable to talk about now with him? Um, I am now, um, because at first I wasn't, I was like, okay, I didn't want him to judge me or anything like that. But I think after it sucks that I had to wait for this to happen to actually have those conversations with him. Um, so I do have conversations with him about it, helping him understand, Hey, you know, this isn't good. I think when we grew up, we're like, Oh, say no to drugs, but we never understand. Like, what does that mean? Um, you see commercials, CBD, they're smoking weed everywhere. Kids are like, well, mom, is that really a drug? I see this person smiling. I see this person happy. Uh, if it helps them, why can't it help me? So these conversations we have to have. What is drugs? What can't you use? Um, why do you see it on TV? What what does this have, you know, does this how can this affect me? Have those deep conversations, even though it's scary, you have to be transparent with your children. I
0: remember growing up, you don't take candy from strangers, you don't talk to strangers, and with social media connecting mm-hmm. us, no one feels like a stranger. I mean, it's amazing because you can follow somebody on social media like our situation and then feel like you know someone and Mm -hmm. kids are more gullible, they're more trusting. Mm -hmm. So when we sit and look at that, it kind of just zones in that sense of danger for children with social media because they feel like if somebody even responds to them, communicates like suppose that they have a friend. And like you said, they're they're being almost attackful in the way that they're doing this of preying on those that are vulnerable and feel that they need someone.
1: Yeah. It's the grooming. It's accepting. It's they watch kids and they're grooming them. And then, you know, they're, they know what to say because they see what the child says. Like, Hey, you know, I had a bad day with my friend and then the guy or whoever may message them and say, Hey, I saw that you have a bad day, you know, love yourself. You're going to find great people. And so now the kid is like, wow, I'm very accepted. This person listens to me. So it's like, they're watching. People are watching everything your children do. Like just, I mean, we had what? It was a girl in Houston. I think she was 13. In New Orleans, it was another girl. 13, 14, you take a bag. You meet a stranger on TikTok. You grab a bag and you leave with that stranger because that person says, hey, I'm going to take care of you. Mommy and daddy won't get you Jordans. I got you. i get you anything you want. Just come with me. Kids are, are watching that. So this is a time we have to step in and talk to our kids more about this. Mm-hmm. It starts at home, but when an
0: epidemic like this happens, it starts at the state level because eventually it's going to become mm-hmm. a national problem. And I'm very disappointed with the state of Texas and um, how they've handled this. And especially, I feel like it's showing a lack of respect, not only to the school district, but to the families that are affected. It's almost as if you don't matter. And I, I can see where that sense of guilt would happen in the household of, I could have stopped mm-hmm. this. I could have done better. I'm responsible. And truly, you're, you're not responsible once your children leave your home and they're in the safety of the school district, the principals, the schools. And Texas needs to
1: do better. The states need to really pay attention and do better. They do. And my son had an incident and his lawyer. I told his lawyer, I said, look, can you get me like legally get him into rehab? Like, what can you do? Stop returning my phone calls. Stop returning my texts. And I'm like, look, I know my son has a court case. He has these things going on, but he really needs help. It's just more like, hey, we're gonna lock him up if he doesn't, he doesn't do anything. It, it was not it was no concern. it was like it's he I felt like he was just thrown out there. so to me, yes, you have these court uh, appointed attorneys that are not even checking in with their clients. you see these kids coming to court high. you see them messed up. why is you as a human being not stepping in saying, look, I see that something going on judge can we get this person to rehab instead of just sending them directly to jail like it's and then when when they do go to jail, Are they really getting the care they need? Are they getting Mm -hmm. the medicine they need to stop them from these cravings they have? I mean, it is bad. It's like within when you stop taking the opioids, this it makes you feel from what I was told, like every bone in your body is breaking. So that's why they continue taking it, because how much pain they are from using it so much. So think about that. Why aren't we giving them the medicine that they need to make sure that they're getting off of it? Okay, because you could die if you have a really, really bad withdrawal. But it's, mm-hmm. it's like, go to jail, we'll feed you, we'll monitor you, hopefully you don't die. And then, you know, we'll keep you there for four or five days in a detox tank, but they're not giving you medicine. Which means they're just going to come out of the detox
0: tank and they're going to have almost their fire refueled because they want the pain to stop. And they're going to go back there and want more of the actual drug that they took the first time. And that's how all of these overdoses are happening. Because there was a 13-year-old, she overdosed twice in just a matter of a week and a half. I mean, when you, when you think of that, it's, it's
1: mind-blowing to me. Yeah, because once you overdose, when so he was in the hospital, once you overdose, they were like, he's going to want it more. Because now they want that high to get them. They're like, well, I didn't die but I want that high where I feel like I'm about to die. It was, when I hear other kids who recover from this, I'm like, are you serious? You're at the point where you want to be so high that you're about to die. They said it's the greatest feeling in the world. I'm like, I don't understand this, but you understand you're gonna die. Yes, but I'm okay with that. And you're, you know, these Mm -hmm. are babies. You're 13, 14, okay with dying because you just want to feel good for that moment, that day or two.
0: It's that feeling, it's that draw, Mm -hmm. which, yeah. I mean, no one should have that even as an adult. But like she said, these are these are babies. These are our children. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they know what
1: that high feels like, that's not acceptable at all. It is scary. Like, even I was thinking about the numbers. I was like in 2019, So when I was looking, doing my research, because I like to figure out what's going on. 2019, we had 253 overdoses, right? 2021, we had 884. Nobody's talking about this. That is more than triple. Like, that is a lot. Of like changes that we're having from 600 more like come on so what are we doing you don't hear anything on tv about it you don't hear anybody saying hey we're going to put a task force out there you hear when you google you'll see like little things out there but uh, you know little you know websites or blogs but nobody's actually putting this on the forefront it should be on tv they should have some something on scene in a special about it. the addiction you have this show car intervention they start really showing that but what mm-hmm. are they doing to get these kids, and then once they say they need help, how, why is it so hard for to them for them to get help? Why? So who do they turn to? You can't go to a homeless shelter. The homeless shelters here in Texas are packed, like are packed, and there's probably like a six month wait just to get into a homeless shelter, depending on if you have kids, if you meet the criteria. So if you're high on drugs, you have to stay on the streets. Mm-hmm. That's the weird.
0: And then. How did- And with the numbers, I mean, like she said, it's tripling, but when you look at the age brackets, the age, Mm -hmm. the number of overdoses and the number of usage are rising and the ages Mm -hmm. of these children are going down. It started at 18, 17, 15, 13, So every year they're going lower and lower and lower. And with that, I mean, when I posted about Snapchat, I I always like to do polls when it comes to topics. And I posted, um, especially with this this epidemic going on. And I asked people, you know, do you have control over your children's social media? And it was 50, 50, yes and no. And then I asked, do you know how to get into your child's Snapchat to find saved messages? Mm -hmm. 99% said no. Wow. And that's where you're going to find it is Snapchat's very tricky. It's something that once you send a message, it's gone unless you save it. So it's very important Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're like, I'm one of those 99%. Google it, look it up, do your research to help your child before it's too late. And you have to know how to get into that phone. I think that's imperative that parents know exactly where to look, how to get into that, and how to stop this from happening to their children or even somebody that they're involved with or that they know that this could be a problem.
1: Yeah, and we and there's so many apps out there that can help with that. That's another thing, like... Find those apps, talk to your, you know, carrier and say, Hey, I need locations. I need to see where my son's going. That's one thing I wish I would have had a location to track where he was, but just go in there and add those, add those safety, um, things to their phone. But Snapchat, I mean, Snapchat, I had when my son was, um, seventh, eighth grade, it was girls sending him, you know, porn sites and things like that. Like they mm-hmm. are seeing. they do not care. And I'm, as a mom, I'm like, Hey, my son is underage. Okay. Can I date you? And I'm like, are you serious? Like no care for anything. So you have to definitely check your child your children's phone.
0: Mm-hmm. I appreciate you coming on today and talking about a topic that a lot of individuals don't want to talk about and a lot of parents don't know how to talk about it. So uh, I highly suggest if you're listening to this, you're in the state of Texas, you need to share this out. It's something that every parent should be aware of and know about. But if you're not in Texas and maybe you're listening in Australia or the UK, it's not just happening here in the United States. Mm -hmm. It's happening all over the world. And it's something that the more we share and the more we make this topic acceptable to speak about the easier it's going to be for parents, the easier it's going to be for teachers to actually talk to students and for them to maybe realize some of those red flags that may be happening in school. So mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate you coming on and being vulnerable. You are one hell of a female. I am so honored to have you on. And uh, I think this episode is really going to save a lot of parents the guilt, and hopefully it's going to save a lot of children as well.
1: Thank you so much. And please, please, please make sure you research and you and you work with your kids and you just go out there and do the best you can. Just We got this, but we got to fight hard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review and follow on your favorite platform and interact with the podcast, Facebook, as well as on Instagram at littlecute1az. We'll see you next
1: time.